Welcome to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. His ghost is a fire, a holy flame burning wild. In this Pentecost Sunday message, Pastor Andrew talks about receiving the power of the Holy Spirit and how this power energizes us for God's purpose. Get ready, all the stories are true. We're never in the same place as a church or as individuals when Pentecost comes. We're always somewhere different. So what is this thing about? This Holy Spirit business. We know it's the birth of the church. And we know that when Jesus ascended, he commanded the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And Paul tells us that there must have been something like 500 all up who knew of that instruction. 500 people who had seen the risen Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but if you'd been following Jesus for some time and you were there at the crucifixion and you may have even got a glimpse of the tomb as they were laying him in there, but maybe not, and then he appears to you, wouldn't that just boggle your brain? Wouldn't they say, wow, it's all real. We actually saw him. We saw him risen. And then the instruction comes to wait for the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem. And by the day of Pentecost, only 140 are left praying. What happened to the other 360? Nobody knows. And you know, that's life that we will get a real challenge and we'll all respond to it. But as time goes on and the fruit or the results don't seem to be evident real quick, people tend to fall away. And then when the time comes, there's just a couple left. Well, you know, there were more than a couple left on this day. But not one of the apostles, apart from Judas Iscariot, had disappeared. That they'd appointed another one to take his place. And they're all there. And they were hiding. Yeah, they were waiting. But they're also hiding. They were just so strung out on the events that had occurred that they just really couldn't put it together. And then there's the waiting. Who likes waiting? When you're going to the supermarket, do you get in the longest line? Or do you go to the shortest line? None of us like waiting. Well, most of us don't like waiting. And you know, we're not used to it. As a culture, as a country, waiting is foreign to us. As Christians, waiting is foreign to us. And yet, for some reason, 
God has in his mind that waiting is a critical part of the process. It draws something from the depths of our being out. It challenges us so deeply that it really tests us where we are with the living God. Where we are with faith. Jesus even said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Because we don't like waiting. But they waited. And lo and behold, the Holy Spirit came with a mighty rushing wind and flames of fire on their heads. And they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance or the words. And they fell out of the upper room into the street. And they're just so drunk in the Spirit, they have no cognizance of what's going on around them. They're just so overwhelmed by this fullness of the Spirit that has taken over their being and taken over their lips and their mouths. So they're spewing out all these words they don't understand. And they're miracles of miracles in the crowd that was around them. There were so many different languages and the apostles and the disciples were speaking every one of them. That everyone in the crowd heard these guys praising God in their own language. Now, speaking in tongues doesn't always be a natural language, although there have been occasions that you've heard testimonies where someone has spoken to a person in a certain language and the person beside them has heard them in their own language. But on the whole, speaking in tongues isn't about speaking a human language, it's speaking about a heavenly language. It's speaking about a language that God hears that comes from the depths of our being. It's our spirit talking to God in a language that he has given, a language that he hears. And sometimes he will give us words in that language that he wants the church to hear. And so you will find that one of the gifts of the Spirit is not just speaking in tongues, but the interpretation of tongues that the gift of tongues will come and then the word in English or whatever our language is will come with it. The word of encouragement from God. And you ever get sluggish when you wake up? And I got up yesterday morning just feeling that way and we'd driven home from Bribey Island and I just was feeling so heavy. Have you ever wanted to get God to talk to you. Right? That was the condition. I just needed God to say something. I wasn't feeling great. And you know, when things aren't feeling good, we think there's something wrong with us. And it just struck me as I was driving down here, maybe it's not me. You ever thought that? Maybe it's not me. So I'm sitting there and God just started talking to me straight away, like, you know, within five seconds. And he wasn't happy. Our God is not happy. He's not happy with his church. 
Now, I think God's not been happy with the church for a long time. But I don't think the church has improved recently. And one of the issues of Pentecost that comes back time and time again down through the history of the church is that when the church gets it wrong, and it has, when it strays from the path and it has done that, when it moves away from the centre, which is Jesus Christ, when it moves to the world and seems to be more like the world than the world itself, it's lost the plot. And yet God has always raised up a small group of people who lead the charge back to bring the church back. And through the centuries, that's sometimes been what we call the monastic movement that would bring the church back from the fringe back into its center place. And what God looks for in an hour when he is angry with his church and rightly angry with his church because it's strayed from the way, it's forgotten its plot, it pretends to be or fay with the world, is God looks for a group of men and women and children who will say, yes, Lord, your way is my way. Your day is our day. Your church is our church. And I have a sense that God is saying that to us. And... One of the verses I got yesterday comes out of Isaiah 53, verse 7. Yeah, because remember, I'm feeling really heavy. And it says this. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. I'm not sure sheep are actually silent at that point, having watched sheep being shorn, but anyway. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people was punishment. He was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. After he has suffered... He will see the light of life and be satisfied. 
and by his knowledge my righteous servant will justify many and will bear their iniquities. Well, that certainly expressed some of how I was feeling. And then as I was reflecting with the Lord about this, he carried it. Jesus did it. Jesus wore that. God put upon Jesus the sin of the planet. God put upon Jesus the punishment that's due to all of us. So we don't have to carry it. So we don't have to wear it. And in Lyndall's prayer this morning as we were praying before church, she just gathered the thought, it's all about him. We are lifted out of the dungeons, the dregs, the problems, the difficulties of the time and situations. As we lift our hearts and eyes to him, he lifts us up because he has done it. He died there for us. So we don't have to die. He went there for us. So we don't have to wear it anymore. That we can rise up as we've just been singing about. Why can we rise up? Because he rose up. He rose from the dead so that we could live in him. That we could throw off the bondage of the past, the weights of the, the world around us, the troubles that they have, the difficulties that are just swarming across the planet. He took them so we don't have to wear them. Hey, we do have to go through them. Hey, those problems aren't walking away. But we don't have to wear them as our problem. You know, if it's not about me, in other words, is there something wrong with me I was saying to myself or is there something wrong somewhere else? And my gut feeling after yesterday afternoon was, this isn't me, it isn't you. Darkness is on us. The heaviness is not us. And what Isaiah 53 is saying about Jesus is we don't have to wear the weight. We don't have to wear the stress. Yes, we wear the events. We don't have to wear the stress. He took it. It's his. And every time we are wearing the stress, we've got to ask ourselves, Am I doing this myself without him? Because the whole essence of what Jesus said to us is that you can do nothing without me. You can do nothing without me. Now, by the way, I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking to me too. We can do nothing without him. And yet we get it into our brains and our minds that we can. We don't need him. We can get by. We don't have to go to prayer. We don't have to get into the word. We don't have to fight the good fight. And the more we wear that, the heavier it gets when he took it all on himself. So we didn't have to wear it ourselves. And there on the day of ascension, 
Jesus is about to leave the disciples. He's appeared a few times to them. And he wants to remind them of one more thing. Not only can't they do it without him, they can't do it without the Holy Spirit. They have to wait. And not just a day, not just a week, but weeks. They have to wait for the coming of the Spirit before they can possibly do the ministry he called them to do or raise up the church that he called them to establish. That they needed that power of the Holy Spirit Otherwise, they can't do it. And what boggles the mind is, how can the church think that we can do it by ourselves? How can his church that was raised up in the Spirit of God, that was established at Pentecost, how can we possibly think we can do it by ourselves? How can we possibly think we can do it in our own might and our own strength? How can we do that? We do it. How can we think that our theology, our human theology, is enough? When our divine God took human form in the person of Jesus Christ and died on a cross for us, taking our sin and punishment upon himself and rising from the dead that we might have new life. How can we possibly think if that's the case? Our own simple human ways are enough or even better than his way. I remember after getting converted and baptised in the Holy Spirit and inadvertently catching this tongues thing and then getting called to preach. I'm not a natural speaker. And I remember getting up to preach time and time again and saying, Holy Spirit, unless you're here to say something, nothing's coming out of my mouth. You know, he turned up every time. Isn't that awesome? And there are times when I've been so overwhelmed and felt so weary and tired, and yet when we got up to preach, he's there. John Wesley is one of the greatest preachers that's ever lived. Raised up church after church. They say he was so sick, his body was so wrought, that sometimes he had to crawl into the pulpit. But then the moment he stood there, it all went and left. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want the word out there. He doesn't want the word in our heart. He doesn't want us to hear what God is saying. He wants us to hear a perverted gospel, a gospel that doesn't hold that truth, that Jesus took it all of his own volition. Not one of us is in this room because we started the conversation with God. God always starts the conversation. He always starts the interaction. He always starts the challenge for which we respond. And thank God we respond.
Imagine where we would be today if we didn't know him. That if he wasn't close to him. That we weren't dependent on him. But this Holy Spirit thing is really critical. Have you ever been out there talking to someone and you're thinking, maybe I should say something, but you just don't know what and you didn't know how? Without the Holy Spirit, you can't do it. They had to wait for the Holy Spirit so he could anoint them in his power for them to speak and to talk to the people. Now, on the day of Pentecost, it says some 3,000 people are converted. 3,000. That's a good start, isn't it? And then Peter and John go for a stroll up to the temple, get diverted by a cripple who wants money. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give to you. Stand up. And the man is instantly healed. And he goes running around the temple, which you're not supposed to do, by the way. He hasn't walked for decades. Wouldn't you be running? 5,000 men are converted that day. By the end of the first week, there's 18,000 new people in the church. So who looked after those people? It wasn't the 12. They were too busy preaching and praying. It was the people. And it wasn't the people doing this in their own strength, in their own minds, in their own theological thoughts. It was the people in the power of the Holy Spirit ministering, teaching, instructing, caring for, healing, Restoring broken, beat up, worn out people, worn out by the law and the requirements, worn out by the structures of the Jewish community. It was the people who looked after them. It was the people who nurtured them. It was the people and the power of the Spirit. That's why Pentecost wasn't just for the apostles. It was the birth of the church because the disciples were all baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance with tongues of fire on their head and a mighty rushing wind. The Spirit had come. And he still comes. And he comes to us. And we need to receive him. Pray for him. Depend on him. Request his help time and time again. And not to forget that without him and Jesus, we can do nothing. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you that you took it all for us. And today, we hand it over to you. We handle the troubles, the difficulties, the pain, the problems, the fears. 
inadequacies, we hand them this day to you because you carried them on the cross for us. Raise us up in the power of your spirit this day that we can truly bear witness for you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to hear more great messages from Pastor Andrew, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au.